All right, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 2, we're going to go through verse 11 through 17 tonight. Title of the message, A Precious Witness, Part 1. With a subtitle, A Witness to the World. Let's go ahead and read the passage. Starting in verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this, guys, here it is, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, remember last week, we talked about the fact that Peter, in his encouragement, he would bring these passages of Scripture, like chapter 1, verse 3 through 9, this, man, all the great things that God had done, and then there would be some response. And then we talked last week, of course, the, the precious privileges that we have in the Lord. Now, tonight, we have the response, brothers. Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren said, the world takes its notions of God, most of all from the people who say they belong to God. That's us. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. They see us, but they only hear about Jesus. And of course, that's exactly what Peter is saying in this passage. He's exhorting the believers to live godly lives in response to what God has done for them and for us which, of course, is the single most effective foundation for making the gospel attractive and believable to the world. Let me repeat that. The way we live our lives before the world, godly lives, of course, is what Peter's talking about, is the single most effective foundation for making the gospel attractive and believable to the world. And, of course, it speaks as our witness as Christian men representing Jesus to the people. And Peter, of course, here, he's begging. The Lord is begging. I beg you, pleading with you, pleading with us. Why? Because we got to see how important this is, you guys. Sad to say, the witness of the church is in trouble. It is not looking good to the world today, in my estimation. With the infighting, with all the things, of course, and sad to say that, that when we look at Catholicism, from the world's perspective, that's Christianity, and of course, making the headlines again. Just the terrible things that have ha happened in that denomination, whatever you want to call it, um, sad. Church is in trouble. Peter is begging, he's pleading. We've got to see this. The world is watching, they're crying out. Really, the world's crying out. Can someone really show me the true Jesus? Who is the real Jesus? You got the Jesus of the Catholic Church. You got the Jesus of the Evangelical Church. You got the Jesus of the Mormon Church, the Jehovah's Witness Church. You got G who is the real Jesus in all this? And of course, we need to show 
the world the Jesus of the Bible, not of Calvary Chapel, South Bay, not of any denomination, whatever, the Jesus of the Bible. They need to know that God is real, that he really can change people's lives, that he really does live inside people, that he really is worth following. And of course, the evidence of that comes out in our lives as we live out before men and women of this world. And Peter's exhorting them as, remember, sojourners, pilgrims, just passing through on their way to heaven. This world is not our home, guys. We need to be different than the world, and they need to be, we need to be the light that they could see. They would glorify God. And of course, for us, the, the message is still the same today as it was when Peter wrote this. Man, we got to be light, brothers. We know this. We need to have a precious witness to the world. So tonight, four things pertaining to a precious witness. Number one, a precious witness walks in denial, verse 11. He walks honorably, verse 12. He walks in humility, verse 13 through 15. And he walks in servility, verses 16 through 17. So number one, this precious witness walks in denial. Verse 11 again, beloved. Beloved, of course, Peter, again, man, you guys are much loved by the Lord and by him. I beg you. I plead with you. I'm just crying out to you as sojourners and pilgrims, reminding them that you're not of this world. You're just passing through. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Brothers, we got to see that it is a war. It's a war, amen? You're in that war today. You felt that war. You felt the battle going on. But remember this idea of denial. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, what was he say? Let him what? Deny himself first. Take up his cross daily. Follow me. Taking up that cross daily. Daily denying yourself. And as followers who want to have a great witness to the world, man, Peter is saying, don't act like the world. Don't get caught up in the things of the world. Don't do the things they do. Let your behavior be so different, guys that there is no mistaking who you are as a Christian. Not to be weird about it, not to be goofy, not to be a knucklehead about it, but there's got to be something different about you and the person sitting next to you in your office, in your workplace, wherever you're at. There's got to be something about you that's different. So someone can look at that person, and then someone can look at that person and go, something's different here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know there's something different between these two guys. And of course, that difference has to be Christ. And in me denying myself, this means that I turn from the things of this flesh. Not only Peter's talking about in the area of sexual immorality, but in the things and the evils of this world. Peter gave us a list of that in chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. But I want to take you over to Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. We're going to look at this list, guys. You know about it, so turn with me. We're going to be turning to quite a few passages of Scripture tonight. You've got to know the addresses. I could read it to you. But you need to know it yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, great passage of Scripture. And this is the war, brothers, right here. Verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, you there? One or two of you there. You there? Amen? Yeah. Amen. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's the answer. Close up the Bible, drop the mic. There it is. <laughs> Easy to say, isn't it? For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The war, brothers. We know this war inside. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. Anybody have that problem? Or is it just me? 
Even what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things I want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I do. This is the battle. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you're walking in the Spirit, you don't need the law to tell you. The Spirit of God tells you what to do. But here it is, guys, the works of the flesh, the big, gigantic list here. They're evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, and I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, that's a big list, huh? How are we doing with that list? One out of ten? One out of th- <laughs> It's amazing, guys. That's the things that are in your heart because of our sin nature. Original sin that we were born with, brothers, that, that will never be eradicated completely from our hearts because of that nature. Not until we die and we leave these bodies. Man. But, I love that. The fruit of the Spirit, evidence of the Spirit, is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, denying ourselves, you guys, daily. And if you jump over to chapter 6, verse 8 here, here's the deal. He says, For who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What Paul is saying here is is that if if you sow to your flesh, if you sow to those things, that big list there, that's what is going to come back into your life you're going to reap those things of the flesh. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a axiom, guys. It's spiritual. It's going to happen. But if you're sowing to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those things, that's what comes back to your life. You see that principle? That's why we want to abstain from those kind of things. Turn from that junk. So number one, don't be like the world, Peter's saying. Remember, we're different. As those beloved, remember, we are sojourners. We are not of this world. We're pilgrims. We are just passing through because we're citizens of heaven. Remember, we had the privilege last week of ambassadorship. We're not even of of this country, you guys. We're of a heavenly country. When you were born again, your citizenship changed. Your your home changed. Everything changed. It's like you were transported to heaven and God said, okay, now you're going to go back to earth and live out your life there until I call you back home. As my ambassador, don't be like the world. We are a chosen generation, guys, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, the privileges that we have in knowing Jesus, you guys. And even John spoke about this in 1 John 2, verse 15 through 70. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, here it is, the love of the Father is not in him. Bam, period, no question. I added that part, by the way, it's not in my translation. (laughs) For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, of course, abides forever. And what else abides forever? How about the word? Remember that passage? Remember that? (laughs) 
the everlasting, the forever word, brother. The word does. So not only that, but he exercises self-control. He doesn't act like the word, but he exercises self-control. Abstain. We know what that word means. To hold oneself off of, to refrain. Basically, it means I'm exercising self-control. Which for me, it being the ninth fruit of the Spirit, I, you know, I mean, I love, love, joy, peace. Too bad they wouldn't chuck right up in front because we'd get more attention, wouldn't it? We all like, oh, love, yeah, oh, joy, yeah, oh, peace, oh, yeah. I don't like the patience one there, but man, self-control, you guys. Exercising self-control. And, and of course, Paul talks about this again in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn with me. You need to know the address. You need to know the information there. 1 Thessalonians 4. Let me know when you're there. All right, there, I like that. Feel you there. Here, Paul again. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord that you should abound more and more. Continue to grow, guys. We're, we're, we're spurring on to maturity. We're conducting ourselves towards maturity. Remember that point. Abound more and more just as you have received from us on how you ought to walk and to please God. So important. Our walk, is it pleasing to God? For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Here it is. For this is the will of God. Peter talks about the will of God in our passage. Paul's talking about the will of God here. Real simple, real clear. What is it? Your sanctification. And what is he speaking of? That you should abstain, that word again, from sexual immorality. See, Peter's kind of talking about a bunch of stuff. Paul's just saying, one deal, sexual immorality. And what is sexual immorality? Anything involving this area of our flesh in regards to sex, it's not pleasing to God. There it is. Abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess or how to control his own vessel in sanctification and honor, in being set apart to God and in honor to God. And yet you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor Rabbi, we're only man, we're only human. Popeye said, I am what I am. Yes, that is true. But, guys, we have the Holy Spirit, and we'll see at the end of this passage, as our helper. You should know how to abstain, how to possess, how to control your own vessel. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, evidence of me not knowing God, evidence of a believer not knowing God is that, you know what, there's no control over the sexual immorality in his life. And the things that you know you're struggling with, things that are going on in your own heart and your own mind, think about that. Man, Lord. But he goes on to say, and do not, verse um, 6, that no one should take advantage or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned you and testified. Basically saying this, if you go out and you cheat on your brothers and with his wife or whatever, God's going to deal with you, seriously. He throws that in there, but here it is, verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Conduct yourself in holiness. Remember, Peter talked about that. Verse 8, though. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man but God. So if you're having her, hey, you know what? I'm going to live the way I want to live. I can act the way I want. This is my body. I can do what I No. Guys, but, here we go again, but God, who has also 
given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is there to convict you, but greater than that, his Holy Spirit is there to help us, to give us everything we need to be able to do what? To turn, to exercise self-control. Back to our passage. Praise God we got the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? We have a choice. We can be victorious. We can walk in denial, guys. Number three, though, we need to be mindful of the enemy tactics. Right here he says here, these fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Man, it's a war, guys. It's a war. We're to be mindful of the enemy tactics. These fleshly lusts, they wage war against the soul. And this work of the enemy, guys, this work that he is relentless, never gives up, huh? never lets up on it. The world we live in, man, it's a relentless, malicious aggression that's never going to stop. John 10, 10, the thief has come, what, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. Threefold plan. Pretty easy for him. And yet, guys, we live in a society and a culture where this bombardment, especially in the area of the sexual immorality, is everywhere. We know this. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm right there with it as well. But you know what? You got to turn it off. You got to turn away. You got to look away. You got to get rid of the stuff that you're stumbling over. Mindful of the enemy's tactics. We don't got to be under it. You got to ask yourself, what are your, what and where are your weaknesses? Each man is different in these areas. Each man struggles at a different degree. We're not all the same, although we all, it is every man's battle. And what is it that you see in here that stumbles you? That you need to turn from, that you need to abstain Exercise this self-control. Because you got to be mindful that the enemy of your soul, he knows what buttons to push in your life. Why? Because he studies you. He watches you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're lusting after. He knows what you're looking after. He knows what your thoughts are in those regards in that, that he watches your actions. Man. And one of his greatest weapons, guys, is blindness and deception. I don't got a problem with the area of lust. I don't got a problem looking at, at women. And yet your wife is right next to you and she's watching you the whole time. And you're just up and down, undressing this and that. And, you're, and you don't even see it. That's how the enemy works. You're blind to it. We got to open our eyes to what is really going on in our minds and our hearts. And to think that the people in your office, maybe the women that you work around, whatever, aren't seeing it, don't know what's going on. And we're the Christians. Man. Mindful, brother, armor on always because the flesh tries to wear you down, doesn't it? Man, nagging, dragging, pulling. And especially if you, if you aren't disciplining yourself in the things that you are watching, you are looking at, you are listening to, you're just setting yourself up. We got to turn it off. We got to look away. We got to run. We got to run. First Peter 5, 8, we know this. We'll talk about it coming up. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, brother. It's a war. It's not a walk in the park. This is SEAL Team 6 stuff, guys. But thank God again, we have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us to give us all that we need. To where we are without an excuse. I'm not saying it's easy by any means. We're stuck with this baggage, brother, until we dump it. When we dump it, praise God. But you know what? That baggage is dragging around. It's like, oh, it's there. 
The old man, deny. Precious witness walks in denial. Number two, precious witness walks honorably. Verse 12, just continuing with the thought. Verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, my good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Man, here it is. Here's why we got to abstain. Here's what we got to deny. We got to walk honorably. And this, this conduct honorable, of course, we talked about honorable conduct back in one of the other passages. Speaks of your manner of living before others and your conduct as expressed by the outward man. Not talking about in the heart or in the mind. No, no. This is the outward stuff where people can see it. And honorable, of course, is excellent, beautiful, behold, consistent with godly values, abstaining, being different, set apart from the world so much so that no one would have trouble identifying you as a Christian. Your honorable conduct, my honorable conduct, so much so that no one would have trouble identifying you as a Christian. Man, I didn't write it. I just put down what the Spirit told me to, guys. And regarding this honorable conduct, number one, the world can't find fault in it. It can't find fault in it. This is Daniel chapter 6 type stuff, man. I love Daniel. What a dude. What a guy. You know that, that Noah, Daniel, and Job are the only three guys that in Ezekiel it talks about that they'd be the only ones saved because of their holy conduct when, the God, when God would come and judge, as Ezekiel tells us. But Daniel here, in chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, this dude's a spiritual giant. He says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because of his, because an excellent spirit was in him. Now we're going to even talk about this next week when we talk about a witness in the workplace. But he says here, and, and listen, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm because of this excellent spirit, because he distinguished himself. So here it is though. The governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Man, could we stand up to that kind of scrutiny, brothers? This is Amy Comey Barrett stuff. You know, the, the lady that just got um, put on the Supreme Court? I'm going to tell you what, she was spotless. She was spotless. She was, that was amazing. That woman's something else. Man, is that us? The world can't find fault, number one. Daniel's enemy, they tried to find fault. They couldn't. And the thing about it, guys, is the world is going to accuse you and persecute you for being a Christian. But they should never have proof that any of their accusations are true. I need to repeat that. They should never have proof that any of their accusations are true. So the world can't find fault. And number two, the world can see it. Here it is, guys. Switching gears a bit. That they may buy your good works, which they observe. Looking, and of course, you know the passage of Scripture I'm going to quote. What is it? Matthew what? 5.16, where Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men, they may what? See your good works. 
and glorify your Father in heaven. And the question is, we've heard this illustration given before, if you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be let off the hook in no time? Not even having to post bail. Oh, this guy ain't no Christian, not at all. I've seen him at work. I hang out with him. His mouth is dirtier than mine. His thoughts, his jokes, no way. Would you go to jail for being tried as a Christian, brothers? Is there enough evidence seen by the world? Man, can they see your good works? Enough so to bring the conviction. Or, or are you an undercover brother? <laughs> Years ago, I was riding to a ride-along with the CHP right over here. Um, Officer Michaels, man, great time, probably 15 years ago. So I get in a car with him and, of course, had the vest up and all that kind of stuff. So I just had a regular shirt on, but I had the vest on, bulletproof vest, that is. And we drive, and uh, he, he pulls over into South Central. And I said, I think you're just like the highway patrol. He goes, are we on a road? Yeah, that's the highway. Highway patrol. So he, we're, we're patrolling there in, in South Central. So he does this stop, and a lot of their stops, they would check to see people wearing seatbelts. And that was their way of getting to pull over and find all kind of stuff. And, of course, we had this one stop, and I'm just watching. And we're right by this little strip mall, and over to our right, there's a liquor store and some other little stores. So he's talking to the guys there and doing his thing. I'm just watching. Well, these girls pull up, like, maybe even, you know, closer where that heater is right there about. And they get out of their car, and they're stoned out of their mind. And they open the doors, and it was like a, a tear gas thing. And, the, and, of course, the wind's coming our way, and even the guys that were, <clears throat> he was, um, you know, talking to, they were cracking up like, oh, man, look at that. And the girls look up at the car, and they see, and they went, oh, no, it's the 5-0. And, and so back then, smoking dope was illegal, so he said, you guys take off, and he pulls the, the patrol car around behind them, and he gets out, and he starts going through the car looking for their stash and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm just standing off, just kind of checking things out. Well, of course, what happens at a liquor store and a little shopping center like that? Crowd begins to form, you know, and, and I'm just kind of checking this out. He's calling for backup, and I'm just like, and so I'm standing like this, and I got the vest on, so, and there's some guys, and you could tell they had been drinking, and they come up to me and say, hey, so, so what are you doing? What are you doing here? So I'm just, I'm just here observing, just kind of checking things out, kind of like backing up a little bit, and, <laughs> and he looked at me and goes, oh, you're the undercover brother. That's what you are. You're the undercover brother. I get it. And I, I actually did look like I could have been an undercover police officer. And I was. But let me ask you the question. Is that how your Christianity looks, guys? Are you the undercover brother, the undercover Christian, where people can't tell? You got it hidden. You're hiding your good works. The world needs to see it, guys. And number three, the world is saved by it. He says, to glorify God in the day of visitation. This means that when someone gets saved because they observed the honorable conduct of a Christian, God gets the glory in their salvation. I want to read a story to you about these missionaries that were in the Philippines during World War II. Credible, true story, you guys. 20th century example of how godly living can influence the salvation of unbelievers comes from the events in a Japanese prisoner of war camp in the Philippines during World War II. 
American missionaries Herb and Ruth Klingen and their young son were prisoners of the Japanese for three years. And Herb's diary told how this family's captors tortured, murdered, and starved to death many of the camps of their inmates. The prisoners particularly hated and feared the camp commandant, Kunishi. Herb described one especially diabolical plan Kunishi forced on the Klingons and their fellow inmates near the end of the war. And what they would, what they would do is they would give them, they're starving to death, so they'd give them rice that was unhusked. And if you eat rice that's unhusked and it gets into your stomach, the husk comes off and the husk is so sharp, it's razors, it, it rips your intestines to shreds. So basically you're starving to death, you eat the rice and you're going to die in hate. You're going to bleed to death. Amazing. They hated it. But divine providence spared the Klingons and others in February 1945 when Allied forces liberated the prison camp. That prevented the commandment from carrying out his plan of shooting and killing all surviving prisoners. Years later, the Klingons learned that Konishi had been found working as a groundskeeper at a Manila golf course. He was put on trial for his war crimes and hanged. Check it out. Before his execution, he professed conversion to Christianity, saying he had been deeply affected by the testimony of the Christian missionaries he had persecuted. Man, he could see their good works, and this guy gets saved by it, guys. So a precious witness walks honorably. Number three, though, a precious witness walks in submission. Verse 13 through 15, perfect timing for this passage. Therefore, submit yourselves because we want to have conduct that's honorable, because we want to have this witness, you guys. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. A precious witness, guys, walks in submission. This word submit is a military expression literally meaning to arrange in formation under the commander. Now remember again who Peter is talking to. He's talking to the dispersed, scattered, ran out of Israel and Jerusalem because of their faith. They're up up in modern-day Turkey is who he's addressing this to. They've lost their families. They've lost, some of them losing their lives. So remember who he's talking, but also remember where they lived, this Roman Empire. This Roman Empire that was wicked, it was violent, it was corrupt, central. The society where sin and idolatry prevailed. And who was in charge? Who was the Caesar? Who was the emperor? Crazy man Nero, you guys. It blows me away. And yet Peter tells them, submit. To fall in line and take orders and obey them. What? Peter, you got to be crazy. No way. No way. No way. Yes way. Yes way. Why would he ask them to do such a thing? This goes so against our nature. Anybody struggle with authority? Anybody have pride where you just don't like being told what to do, especially by authorities? Anybody ever have any trouble with authority? BC days, I was probably one of the first police chases in Torrance 
I'm not going to go into complete detail of the thing, but I was in bad shape, tequila and quaaludes, and the police started chasing me. Right here, Cabrillo and Western, that chase. Remember, guys, remember Ding Hao Restaurant, Cabrillo and Western? Anybody remember that? The restaurant Ding Hao's? Okay, so I know I'm dating. It's a, it's a Japanese place now. It's a little apartment there. Anyhow, they were chasing me. I went around that thing four times. I'd already crashed my car. It was a total wreck, and they were chasing me. I turned left on Carson heading east, and they come up alongside me, pull over, pull over. They're on the inside of my house. I said, no, I'm not pulling over. Right where the Arco is in Harvard, right there. And just so happened, my parents lived up the street on Harvard. I guess that's where I was going. I wouldn't know. I was so drunk out of my mind. I cut them off, crashed in two other cars, stop, and they pulled in front of me. So here's how I'm thinking. You know what? I won't get in trouble if I don't fight them. I'm going to wrestle them. So I get out of the car. I get out of the car. I ain't going to jail. And they said, oh, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. And if any of you wrestled, and if you didn't wrestle, these guys were in trouble. I was crazy. There was only two of them. They ended up calling for backup. But I was resisting the authority that was there. If I had just complied, pulled over, of course, I still would have gone to jail, but I wouldn't have got the snot beat out of me. You get what I'm saying? I fought the law, brothers, and the law won. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad, and they were pros. They were pros. They didn't bust up my nose or my mouth, but my eyes were so black and red and blood, and my body, underneath my clothing, was just bruised everywhere. And when I <clears throat> finally got out of jail and got home, oh my gosh, I was in such bad shape. Guys, and the problem today is, the problem is people are resisting. If you don't resist, usually nothing's going to happen. But that's our problem, guys. We have a problem with submitting to authority. And yet here, Peter, in the context, he's telling them, nope, guys. Why? Number one, for the Lord's sake. Really, it's an act of worship. Believers, obey earthly authority to honor God. And because we desire to honor God and obey Him, we submit. And it's a higher calling, brothers. The church has to set the example for the Lord's sake, but also because it's God's will. God wants our good witness to take away their ability to criticize or condemn our conduct. Brothers, the church isn't doing too good with this. I don't know if you read the story about Calvary Chapel San Jose. Happens to be Don McClure's old church. His son Michael's there. You know that they have racked up $350,000 in fines? They just had a, a restraining order placed on the church because they refuse to comply with the law. And instead of meeting outside like they were allowed to, they kept meeting inside. Nope, we're meeting inside. Nope, we're meeting inside. Nope. Imagine. Imagine you're on that city council. Imagine you're involved in that thing. Imagine the Christians that are working in those places, and they're having to hear what the non-Christians are saying about the church. Terrible, terrible witness, you guys. And people ask us, Pastor Jeff, emails like he shares, why are we under these tents? Why are we wearing these masks? Simple. Simple, you guys, because the Bible tells us to do so. 
Do you really think we'd rather be out here than in the sanctuary? Do you really think we'd rather wear these masks than not? Of course not. The Bible tells us to you guys. And even a fifth grader could read what Peter is saying right here and make sense of what he's saying. It's not hard to interpret, amen? But I'm going to tell you, we're going to walk through this. We're going to turn now to Romans 13. We're going to kind of get a little education here in this because we've got to understand this. Turn with me to Romans 13. It's the same deal. Paul, writing from Rome, writing a letter to Rome. Remember Rome. Where is Rome? It's the seat of the Roman Empire. What does he say? Chapter 13, Romans, verse 1. Let every soul... How many is left after every? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And here it is, guys. For there is no authority except from God. And this authority, and, and the authorities exist, are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I resisted the police. I got some judgment, brothers. I'll never forget that one. <laughs> For the rulers are not of terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. There it is. You'll have praise. The witness will be honorable. This witness, this, this man walking in submission will get praise from the governing authorities. For he is God's minister to, to do good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for here it is, he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. I mean, how many of you guys still have trouble when you see a black and white image? I'm serious. I see black and white, and I immediately I turn because I was so trained back in the day because I was always doing something wrong in my car driving that I had to be tuned in to the black and whites. I had to be ready. So it's still in my head. It's the weirdest thing in the world because I had no, my conscience was not clear. I was always in trouble. But also for conscience sake, man. And because of this, you also pay taxes. For there are God's ministers attending continually to the very thing. Render, therefore, all their due, taxes to whom taxes, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So, what Paul is saying is exactly what Peter is saying. So we have the same guys talking the same subject about a situation where in Rome we see who is ruling. But the interesting thing is, Daniel from the Old Testament, in his praise to God, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. See, Daniel, of course, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. No one can interpret the dream because he, he wants him to tell them what the dream was and then interpret it as well. Come on. And yet Daniel prays, God gives it to him. And Daniel, in his praise of God, says this. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, and I won't read the whole thing, but he says, verse 21 that he removes kings and he raises up kings. Paul said there's no authority except what God puts in place. And of course, this 
helps us with the, the election that we're involved in right now. It's God who raises man, the kings up or takes them down. Then in Titus, Paul says the same thing to Titus. He tells them in chapter 3 of Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Titus is on the island of Crete where they were crazy out there. The governing authorities, they're drunk and they're partiers, kind of like being out with a bunch of pirates. And yet the same thing, be subject. And then in Timothy, what does Paul say to Timothy? He tells him, and here's the clicker. In chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving you thanks be made for all men. What's left after all? All men for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. What he's saying there is, you know what? Keep your nose clean with the governing authorities and they're not going to come in and cause us problems to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Guess what? Calvary Chapel San Jose, restraining order. They, they told them basically, you can't even meet no more. You can't meet inside. You can't even meet outside until we get this thing straightened up. If they'd have just kept their nose clean, met outside, they'd be preaching the gospel. But now, $350,000, anybody got that kind of money? Sad to say that church is going to have to pay those fines. Terrible, you guys. So I think it's pretty clear here. And we'll clap it with this. Remember in John 19, 11, when Jesus is having a little dialogue with Pilate, and he's not saying a word. Pilate's saying, hey, I'll paraphrase. Jesus, you know, why aren't you answering me? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? Or the power to not crucify you? What does Jesus say? The only power you have is the power that I have given you. So who's in control of the politicians? Who's in control of who's being appointed to be president of the United States? Who's in control of all that? So we either obey or we disobey. Here at CCSB, we'd rather obey God not listening to man who's telling us we need to do all these things, than to obey man and not listen to God. we got to follow the humble example of Jesus who submitted himself to his Father in heaven and went to a cross. What kind of cross was it? A Roman cross. You think of all people, Jesus. I'm not going to die on some Roman cross. I'm not going to submit to these guys. I'm not going to let them crucify me. No way. And yet, what does he do? He goes like a lamb to the slaughter. Submitting as, as the greatest example of submission in the history of men, brothers, because God, who thought of not robbery be considered equal to God, came and was obedient to the death of the cross. Man, God condescending himself. Wow. A precious witness, guys. And here's the problem. Here's the problem, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on my little soapbox here. Those guys that are out there that are defying the government have reinterpreted these passages of Scripture. John MacArthur being one. John MacArthur, if you go to his commentary on the passage we just are reading right now, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's perfect. The exegesis is right on. 
and we are practicing. We're let's say, John, tell us what we're supposed to do. Okay, John, we're doing it. We're submitting to the authorities. Not because we want to, but because God wants us to. But these guys, they're reinterpreting. No, 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 that's not kind of what about it. No, 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 no. And, and what, they're, what they're doing, brothers, over in Acts chapter 4, they're taking Acts chapter 4 completely out of context. And we know this. You've heard this. You've heard him say it on TV. You've heard him say it over the pulpit. Hey, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you be the judge. That's it. We're listening to God, not to man. That's, 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 that's why we're, we're defying the government. Do you know the, the context here? That they are taking that context completely out of context, that passage. Who is Peter and John talking to? Is, are they talking to, like, Caesar or maybe Festus or you know, some other governing official? They're talking to the Sanhedrin. They're talking to the it's a religious fight. It's a, it's a church fight, basically. This is who they're talking to. There's no governing authorities here. There's no Roman government involved in this. <coughs> Peter and John wouldn't have said that to the government. They'd be hung. It was the religious leaders that they're talking to. Now, yes, we're going to obey God rather than man when man tells me and you and tells this church that we can no longer, because what do they say? But we cannot speak but speak the things we... They, they wanted him to quit talking about Jesus. The government comes and says, okay, you can do all you want, but you cannot mention Jesus' name. We're out of here. We're done. It's over with. That's, that's where we cross the line. That's where we say no. But not just to being asked to wear a mask and meet outside, brothers. And, and, and even further, when you, when you begin to take Scripture... And now begin to twist scripture to suit and to fit your own wants and needs. Well, I want to meet out. I want to meet inside that sanctuary. So you know what? Ah, that's not what Peter and, and Paul were talking about. You know, you don't have to submit when, when it's talking about us meeting inside the church and blah, blah, blah and everything. Where does that stop, guys? Where does that stop when I can take God's word? You know what? I'm tired of, I'm, I'm tired of being true to my wife. I'm tired of this this thing is saying that I shall not commit adultery. You know what? Hey, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Old Testament Christian now. You know, I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow after um, uh, um, Jacob, Israel. How many, how many concubines did that dude have? I mean, how many wives did, did these, these kings have? I mean, you know, it's, that's, you follow my thinking in this? I'm going to do that. I'm going to switch around here. Careful, brothers, careful. God's word means the same today as it did when it was written back then, and we obey. We obey as a good witness, a precious witness to the Lord. He walks honorably, he walks in submission. Number four, lastly, he walks in servility. Verses 16 and 17. I just had to come up with that word. I like the word, it's right. But basically, we are bond servants, you guys. As free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, man. And this is where it really starts, guys. I can't be a precious witness unless I am a bondservant to Jesus Christ. The word doulos, as we know, is one who gives himself up to another's will, 
whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. And a bondservant is one who serves, not because he has to, but because he wants to, because of his love for the master and because of our love for Jesus, we submit ourselves to the authorities. Because of our love for Jesus, we walk as bondservants. We walk in servility. And Peter and Paul and James, Jude, they all listed themselves as bondservants. Paul, a bondservant. Peter, a bondservant. James, a bondservant. Jude, bondservants. Some things about bondservant. Number one, a bondservant doesn't abuse his freedom. It says here to use your liberty, your freedom as a cloak for vice. Means using our Christian freedoms as an excuse to do evil. Can't do it, you guys. Yes, we have freedom in Christ. Yes, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. No way. You're free in Christ. You're free from the sins and Satan's sin and dominion. But it does not mean I can live a life that, number one, is morally impure. Man, I am under Christ's control, guys, not my own control. I'm under Christ's control. But also, it does not mean that I can be disobedient to the authorities. Those are in authority over me. A bondservant doesn't abuse his freedom, but also a bondservant does what God says. He says, what does he say here? Number one, honor all people. What's left after all? Honor all people. You know, what, you know what the cure to racism is? Honor all people. Simple as that. Imagine if the world practiced that right there. Honor all people. Respect all people. All people. God created all and he loves them all. And, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's second greatest commandment. And because we're Christians, though, it doesn't mean we're, we're above others. You know, on the contrary, Paul declared all men, all women equal in God's eyes. God's eyes. Man. And, and you wish the church would, would pick up on that and rise above and, and read these passages. You know, just re, I realized, I'm thinking back even about the, um, you know, the whole slavery here in the United States that the church was so involved in that. You know what the problem was, guys? They, they didn't do what we are doing. They didn't know the Word of God. How could you know the Word of God and honestly call yourself a Christian and yet be okay with what they were doing? When the Scripture is perfectly clear, honor all people. Two, love the brotherhood. Love the brothers. Peter gives the reason in chapter 4, verse 7a. We talked about this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent Love for one another. He's talking me and you because love will cover your mistakes and cover my mistakes. Am I going to make mistakes? Amen. Are you going to make mistakes? Amen. Is your wife going to make mistakes? Are your kids going to make mistakes? Love covers. Love covers. Love covers, brothers. Man, it's tough though, huh? It's tough when people offend you and they do things wrong and it hurt your feelings and all these things and you just, the Lord's saying, love, love, love even your enemies. Woo. Number three, fear God. Here again, Peter speaks of, the, of, of a reverent fear of God. It means to do what you've been told out of reverence to God, you guys. Conducting ourselves in reverence, as we talked about. The last thing, number four, honor the king. Here it is. Honor the, what? Honor the king, the king's a heathen. 
The king's terrible. He's horrible. Nero was killing Christians, burning them on the stake, dipping them in wax. You know the history? Man. But out of love for God, respect the one that he has put in charge. No matter who that's going to be, brothers, no matter who it's going to be, out of our love for God, man, tough stuff, huh? Jeez, it ain't easy being a Christian. Give honor and respect even when you don't agree or you don't like. We don't got a choice. Either I'm going to obey God's word or I'm not. Some application for us, guys, again, remember your citizenship. That's what we got to remember. Remember, we are not of this world, Jesus said in John 17. This is his, his prayer to God for us. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I wish you'd have prayed, Lord, take them out of the world. Take them out. That'd have been good, huh? The minute you got saved, poof, you're gone. Wouldn't that be a whole different ballgame, brothers? Man, kind of have to think about that for a minute. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not. Remember, guys, remember Colossians chapter 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you and I died. We died. And your life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, we will also appear with him in glory. Man, if there's ever a time, brothers, get your eyes on heaven. Get your eyes off of the earth. Remember your citizenship. And remember your mission. Here it is, guys. As a Christian man in a non-Christian world, our mission is different. We're to be different from the world. Amen. We know this. Don't get caught up in the things of the world. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, when I go to the Philippines or any place that's uh, not this country, you know, it's kind of funny. I get over there. I could care less who the president is. I could care less about their politics. I could care less about the legislation. I could care less about it. all that stuff that's going on over there in the Philippines. I mean, Duterte... He's crazy. <laughs> I, I could care less. We care about one thing. Seeking the lost and getting the lost saved, period. And it's so freeing to go over to countries like, who cares? Just make sure the chicken's good and we can preach the gospel. Because <laughs> that's what you're going to get in the Philippines. Chicken, 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 chicken. And fish. Chicken and fish. It's crazy. Man, remember your mission, brothers. And it should be the same thing here in the United States. Who cares? What is it going to change? If it's deterring you and distracting us from the mission of the church, then it's not right. Then you're caught up in it. Then it's idolatry. Then you're not in pleasing God. You're actually in sin. Remember your citizenship. Remember your mission. And then remember to do it for the Lord's sake. For his honor, let all that you do be lined up with what pleases God. And remember what brings him glory and honor. Remember the story of Joseph. We all know the story of Joseph in chapter 39. 
Man, what, what did Joseph say there? Joseph said, how could I do this thing when, when Potiphar's wife was tempting him and she wanted to, you know, to go to bed with him? How could I do this great sin against God? See, that's what you got to think. I got to honor God in everything that I'm doing. I got to do it for the Lord's sake. Remember what is pleasing to him. Man, Joseph denied himself that he might not sin against God. He turned away. He turned it off. He ran for his life. And guys, that's what you got to do. There's some of you out there that are struggling. Maybe you're online. My brother's online. Shout out to you guys. I forgot to do the shout out, but you got it at the end. Maybe you're struggling with the things of the flesh. Man, to please God, to be honoring to him, do the Joseph thing. Run. Run for your life because, like I said, it's a war. This raging war against your soul. Poor Lot in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about Lot, whose soul was grieved and vexed because of what he saw there in Sodom and Gomorrah and what he experienced, what he saw the people, what he heard. Man, waging war against the soul. Turn it off, guys. And, and the same conviction has to be in our heart that was in Joseph. Run if you have to. So guys, tonight again, your citizenship, your mission, for the Lord's sake, man, an honorable witness, a witness that is, that is denying his flesh, one that's in submission, one that's a bondservant. And when, when the world sees that, when the world truly sees that in our lives, then people will be attracted to the gospel. They'll be, they'll be wanting to come to church. Sad to say, though, the church is what? The church is a terrible witness right now. Let's change that, brothers. Me and you, we can do that. It's okay. Next week, though, a witness in the workplace. More stuff there for us to deal with. But let's stand. Let's pray. Let's thank the Lord for his, wood, his goodness and his grace. Father, again, we thank you. And Lord, you know our heart's desire. Lord, you know that we fall short. And we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be those witnesses. We would be a precious witness that this world would see in our lives that, Lord, you are real. You are who you say you are. And you can do what you say you can do in and through our lives, Lord. Father, forgive us when we fall short. Give us the courage and the strength to turn away from the things that aren't pleasing to you. Give us the, the ability to swallow our pride when we struggle with authority, when we struggle with those who are in, in government over us, making decisions that we don't agree with. Lord, help us to honor you by honoring them, by submitting to them. Pray you strengthen my brothers, Lord. Bless their times and their groups. And Lord, again, take and, and make us um, men who represent you, Lord, in a way that causes people to desire you. Bless Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen.